Uh, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, if you would. Always when we come together on Sunday night, let's also make sure we're being prayerful for uh, Will as he's teaching uh, the youth group over there, and uh, pray. make sure you're praying uh, for them. Matter of fact, let's go ahead and pray, and we'll make sure we always remember them. Our Father in heaven, we ask, Lord, that uh, you would be with us tonight as we come and focus on you and help us as we come to your word and as we prepare to teach in just a moment. I pray that you would bless, Lord, and work in our hearts and uh, help us, Lord, to uh, obey the admonitions we find in the scriptures. Help us, Lord, to be the witness you would want us to be. Uh, Father, I pray that uh, you would be with Will uh, tonight as he teaches uh, the youth. I pray that you bless uh, the youth group, be with uh, John Michael and Jess and Will and Leah as they minister. I pray that you would put a special uh, hedge about them, give them your grace, and uh, please just help them, Lord. I pray, and we pray for our youth, Lord, that you work in their hearts, that you bring them salvation in Jesus Christ. We pray for all of our children of the church, and Father, we pray, Lord, that you'd work in them. Help us as a parents to raise them right. Lead by example, to be faithful to God's house and to worship you and to set that example before them. And we're just so thankful, uh, Lord, for uh, all that you've done for us in our church, for our families. Help us, Lord, to truly serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, First Peter chapter 3. And I just want to read uh, one verse tonight. Uh, Peter says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense or an answer uh, to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you uh, with meekness and fear. You know, the saints that Peter is writing to uh, here and Peter, uh, they're under persecution. And it's important to understand that. And that persecution is for the hope that they have in the gospel. Now that's clear through uh, various things that Peter says in this letter. Now Peter is also wanting to make sure that they respond the right way uh, when they are being persecuted for their faith. It was important for them to have a good testimony. Now... He wanted them to make sure also that when they suffered, that they were also suffering for righteousness' sake. In verse 14, he, he says, uh, talks about them suffering for righteousness' sake, are, are blessed. And so, as Christians, if we're going to suffer, let's make sure we're suffering for the right reasons. Um, he also wanted them to know that it was a blessing to suffer for righteousness' sake, there in verse 14. Uh, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount on Wednesday nights, and we just covered a couple weeks ago about the blessing, or last Wednesday actually, the blessing of being persecuted. And that we don't think of that, that being a blessing. Boy, I'm so blessed uh, when we've been persecuted. So we talked about that. So I wanted to make sure uh, you know they've been suffering for the right reasons, for righteousness' sake, and it was a blessing. Now in verse 15, uh, through Peter's instructions to these suffering saints, we can learn some things that, that can help us that we'll look at. It's going to be one main thought when we finally get to it. But Peter did, didn't just want them to respond, if you would, the, the, the right way to persecution for their own benefit. In other words, he's not just telling them, hey, you need to respond the right way for your own benefit. 
to make sure you're right with God and, and how you're being persecuted. But he wanted them to understand that the way they suffered persecution from those who would oppress them was important because it was important for the benefit of those that were persecuting them. Peter wanted them to respond the right way so that those who were trying to make them suffer would ask them a reason for the hope they had. So you understand the context of verse 15 about persecution. He wanted them to respond the right way because they're being persecuted by these same people that they're being asked these questions of. And so suffer the right way so that those who are making you suffer will ask you a reason for the hope that you have. So Peter wanted them to respond the right way so that it would lead those who were being mean to them to ask them, where was their hope at? You see, whether, whether our suffering is coming at the hands of men or women for our faith, or our suffering is coming through trials of this life, through various ways, it is an opportunity to be used of God to speak of the hope that is in us. So whether we're, persecution is a form of suffering. Anytime we suffer for persecution, we suffer for righteousness' sake, or we suffer for other reasons, um, it is an opportunity to speak of that hope. People should be able to see something in us when we suffer that should arouse their curiosity. And that's what we can see in the language of verse 15. He said, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. And so, when people see the hope that is in you, that they see something in you that's different, that gives you hope, that inspires you, that encourages you, that strengthens you, that helps you to endure, be ready to give an answer for what they see in you. These that Peter are writing to are not closet Christians for sure because they're actually being persecuted for their faith. Closet Christians cannot be effective witnesses for Jesus. You cannot be a closet Christian and cause curiosity concerning Christ. It took me a while to come up with that brief statement. I think I'll say it again. You cannot be a closet Christian and cause curiosity concerning Christ. Listen, though we may not be suffering at the hands of men for our faith, and we talked about this on Wednesday. We suffer sometimes snide looks or remarks and stuff. We do experience that even now. But though we may not be suffering through severe trials at the moment, there's a lot of application from this verse to help us to be good witnesses for Jesus. And we'll get to that eventually. But before we, we look at that, and something here, an admonition here to help us to be witnesses uh, let me remind us that witnessing to the lost about Jesus needs to be at the top, the top of our priority list in our service to the Lord as a follower of Jesus Christ. It, it's up there. How important is witnessing? It's at the top. It's at, up there at the top. In the Great Commission to the church, we are told to go to make disciples of all nations. Our desire and purpose should be every day to be used of God to, to move others in some way, form, or fashion to consider Jesus and to follow Him. 
It doesn't mean that every opportunity we have is going to be a full out and out, full presentation of the gospel. But we can have those small opportunities. And actually, Will referenced one uh, this morning in Sunday school. Taking those small moments to point people to Jesus. We should be looking for those opportunities and be ready for them. The number one mission of the church is to go out there and to make disciples. That's the number one mission. Number one mission of us should be that. Are we living like that? Are we living like that? Are, is that on our mind through the day? Are, when we go places, do we consider that that person that we are talking to at the moment, that they may be lost and don't know the Lord? Our waitresses that wait on us in restaurants, are, are we living with that purpose in mind? Are we prayerfully looking for opportunities, as small as they may be, to somehow be used of God, to, to seek the lost and to encourage them toward Christ? Listen, if we are Christians, and what does that mean? It means that we are followers of Jesus. Christian is not a, a title. We, we treat it like one. But it is a description of our activity and life. They called them Christians. Their enemies called them Christians. Why? Because they were obviously followers of the way, the way of Jesus. So if we want to be called Christian, if we want to be a biblical Christian, Christ-like, what did Jesus Christ come to do? He gave us very clear instructions. In Luke 19.10, He said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what we are to be doing. If we're going to follow Jesus, we are to seek and to save that which was lost. Now I say, well, preach, we can't save anybody like Jesus did. No, we can't. We cannot in the same sense. We cannot die on a cross. Of course we cannot. But God uses us in the salvation of souls. That is very clear in the Word of God. Uh, listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians 9.22. He said this, To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men. Then he said this, That I, that I might by all means save some. Paul said that I might save some. So Paul's saying, I'm going to identify with people as much as I can identify with them to connect with them, to relate with them, so that I can, by all means, save some. Now we know Paul doesn't mean to die on a cross and take their place, but to point them to the Savior. We should never view teachings of the doctrine of election as, as a reason to not ardently seek after the salvation of the lost. Paul actually used it as, as a reason to seek after the lost. In 2 Timothy 2.10, he said, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You see, followers of Jesus should be seeking after the lost that know not Christ. See, lost people should know we're followers of Jesus. Why? One of the reasons is because we are seeking after their soul. I pray our desire would, would be that others would come to know Christ. And, and maybe when we were first come to know the Lord, we had a, more of a burning passion like that. Like, like the woman 
at the well who said, Come see a man that told me all things I ever did. Is not this the Christ? You can read that passage and see the passion and urgency in her. I fear that sometimes we can be very sound doctrinally like the church at Ephesus in Revelation who had left at the same time their first love. When we love Christ as we ought, then we will want to make Him known to others. We will want Him to be loved by others. And we will love others by wanting them to know His love. I want to live in such a way, and I want you to live in such a way that every day we're just wanting to to use every small opportunity to talk to people about the Christ that loves us. And we want them to know that as well. How wonderful it would be if every day we woke up excited to to, to be in the Word, to to pray, to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to be like Jesus, and to want to go out there and make Jesus known so others will know Him and love Him. Now with all that said, I want to get to this one thought tonight from this verse. Because I think that there's a lot, it's a key thought to being ready. The title of the message is Be Always Ready. Let's read it again in verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready. There's a a connection here between sanctifying the Lord God in our hearts and being ready to give an answer of the hope uh, that is in us. For the people of God to not be afraid of the threats that they were receiving. In verse 14, he talks about the threats they were receiving. And to be ready to give an answer to the hope that they had, Peter says, sanctify the Lord God in your heart. So I think this is very important that we understand what that is. So so this admonition seems key to that being ready to give an answer. So what does this mean? Well, the word sanctify means to set apart. Oftentimes we use it to talk about being made holy. Um... This doesn't mean that we make God holy. Sanctify the Lord in your heart. It doesn't mean we're making God holy. We can add nothing to the nature of God. But in our hearts, God is to be set apart. Is to be set apart in our thoughts. In other words, God is far above all else and separate from all else in our thoughts. In other words, nothing else comes close to Him in our thoughts. In order to be ready to face the opposition to the faith, we must seek to have the Lord in the right place in our hearts. In other words, you're not going to present the Lord the right way, for one, if He's not in the right place within. Our hearts, our affections, our desires, our inner being needs to set the Lord apart from everything else, from everyone else. You know why sometimes we can't be very good witnesses? is everything else is on the same plane with God. He must be highly exalted in our desires and affections. We need a view and esteem of God that says nothing compares to Him. When we think little of Christ, when we think little of the Lord, we think little of making Him known to others. In other words, if He's not way up here, then why tell others about Him? When He is first exalted in here, then we see, oh, people need to know Him. 
People need to know Him. God must have first place in our hearts. And then, and then when He does, it helps us because then the opinions, the praise of men will have no part of our hearts. We need a proper view of God so that we can properly see others that would maybe try to make us fear or to be silent. Now it seems very possible that that Peter has in mind uh, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 8, verse 13 and 14, which reads this. It says, Sanctify the Lord of hosts Himself, and let Him be your fear, and let Him be your dread, and He shall be for a sanctuary. So in other words, set God apart, have a proper fear, respect for God, let Him be your worship. Let Him be your sanctuary. That The word for sanctify in the King James Version in the Old Testament is also translated hallowed in the King James Version. Or hallow in the New King James. Jesus taught us to pray what hallowed be your name. God's name is as God is. He is holy, set apart, exalted above all. He is like none other. He is the Almighty. He is the awesome God. And when He has the proper place in our hearts, affections, and desires, it changes us. It changes how we relate to other people. It changes how we live. It changes how we talk. Some Christians will never be asked the cause of the hope within them because their talk looks too much like the world. The fear of God is not in their talk. They talk like the world, cuss like the world. Nobody's going to ask you about the hope you have. Okay? It's not going to happen. 1 Peter 3.15 says, as some manuscripts read it like this, sanctify Christ as Lord. So in other words, God needs to be Lord. And that's, that's where He needs to be in our life. He needs to be highly exalted as Lord of our heart and life. And when He is, it changes everything in regards to how we can see other people and it will encourage us to be witnesses. When He is highly exalted as our Lord, one of the things that happens is that we are reminded that when He is set apart and exalted, we are reminded that He is Lord and that He is the one that we are to obey. So, so when He tells us that, that we are to be witnesses of Him, we're more apt to, to be ready in our hearts and say, yes, Lord, who do you want me to speak to today? When Christ is Lord of your heart, you will ask yourself questions like that. Lord, who do you want me to speak to today? Do we ever go through the day and say, Lord, who do you want me to speak to? Are we looking for those opportunities? Also, when, when the Lord is seen more for, for the great God that He is, and we are holding Him in our hearts where He should be, He is rightfully feared as the great God that He is, then we will not fear others. So sometimes we're just afraid to talk. But when the Lord is sanctified and the Lord is exalted within, we lose that fear of man. When the fear of displeasing our wonderful Holy Father in heaven who loves us is at the top of our hearts, we don't fear displeasing men. Right? I think we know this already. 
When God has proper place in our hearts and we walk humbly with Him, then we will not fear as much being humiliated by others. Is it not the lack or is it not the fear of others so often that keeps us from witnessing? Or the lack of love? And does not love cast out fear? So do we love God if we love others and it removes the fear of man? If we fear God as we ought, then we will not fear man's rejection or ridicule. We esteem men too much. That why we, that's why we value their opinion of us too much. If we esteemed God, His opinion would be the only one that mattered. When the fear of God has its proper place, then there will be no place for the fear of man. Do you want to be ready to talk to others at any opportunity? I do. I want to live more like that. I'm not saying I've arrived, but I'm telling you right now, I've been working at this for a while. I want this. And one of the things we need to first do is each day, every day, every day, sanctify Him. Sanctify God by setting Him apart from everything else in your life, above your wife, above your, above your husband, above your kids. Christ must have preeminence in our hearts, our time with Him, our worship of Him, His Word, everything about Him must have preeminence, dominance over every aspect of our life. We want Him to be Lord of our life, so we want to serve Him as a father, serving as, as, as a wife, serving as a mother. In what every aspect His Word has preeminence, it reigns over us. We want to submit to it. And each day we've got to rise up and bow before Him and surrender to that. Because the flesh wakes up every day ready to fight against that. And every day we must put off the old man and put on the new, which is renewed every day. So we must seek to have a, a proper fear, a reverence of God that, that we're taught in the Scriptures. And here's the thing, not only will a proper fear of God keep us from fearing man, but it will deliver us from all other fears. And those other fears we have sometimes often our, occupy our minds so much that we do not even think of being witnesses of Jesus and His commission. In other words, it's, sometimes it's not the fear of man itself. Some people have no fear of people whatsoever. Sometimes they don't. But we have fear of other things. And the fear of other things can as well keep us from being witnesses because we, our minds are occupied with fear rather than with Christ. Fear is up here in our hearts rather than Christ. I, I like what Albert Barnes stated about this from this verse. He said, Such a sanctifying of the Lord in our hearts will save us from fear. We dread danger. We dread sickness. We dread death. We dread the eternal world. We are alarmed when our affairs are tending to bankruptcy. We are alarmed when a friend is sick and ready to die. We are alarmed if our country is invaded by a foe and the enemy approaches our dwelling, the sentiment in the passage before us is that if we sanctify the Lord God with proper affections, we shall be delivered from these alarms, and the mind will be calm. I think he's on to something there. When we sanctify the Lord God in our hearts, it destroys all other fear, not just the fear of man, but the fear of everything. 
And so oftentimes we're, we're not witnessing to people because we've got everything else upon our mind that we're worried about throughout the day. We don't think about witnessing to maybe uh, our waitress or, or somebody else we have an opportunity to talk to because we're full of fear of other things going on in our life and worry and dread. Fear of anything can occupy our mind and replace the proper fear of God that we should have. It distracts us. It detours us uh, from doing the work of God regarding seeking the lost and being concerned about souls. Often we are fearing the loss of the temporal things of this life so much that we do not fear that the souls of men are going to hell. We fear losing a business transaction so we do not talk to them about Jesus. We fear losing a temporal relationship here on earth supposedly because we love them, but we do not fear them standing before a holy God. We fear losing the esteem of fellow colleagues in our trade or work more than we fear the disapproval of our Father who loves us and is in heaven. We fear the loss of temporal rewards in this life rather than the loss of eternal rewards and glory. Our fear is all misplaced. It's misdirected and it will misdirect you. The proper fear of God in our hearts will deliver us from the fear of man and all other fears. Fear will keep us from being ready to tell others about the hope we have in the Gospel of Christ. Be not ashamed. Be not ashamed of the hope that is in you. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Love Jesus and the souls of others and let each day, I'm trying to live like this more and more, very intentionally, letting each day be an adventure to see who is God going to allow me to possibly speak of His name to today, even if it's just for three seconds, five seconds, ten seconds, the smallest amount. Maybe it's just a passing by of Jesus is good to somebody, saying that to somebody. Making them think about the name of Jesus. Now that's not the full gospel message, but we have to understand that God uses many people as stepping stones to draw His people unto Himself. We can't think of ourselves being the, the last person that God's going to use to, to minister salvation to them of the gospel. Be willing to be that one piece in the broader puzzle. That one piece in the broader work that God is doing. Does that make sense? And when we think like that, I think it affects us. In other words, if we don't think, well, I don't have time to give them the full gospel message, that's okay. That's okay. Sometimes you need to give the full gospel message and you will have those opportunities. But taking those smaller opportunities to just bear witness of the name of Christ and how we speak in the common everyday vernacular. I can't remember what Will said this morning regarding talking to somebody, but it was just basically a greeting when somebody says, you know, hey, how you doing? You know, we're so casual with that, aren't we? Oh, I'm doing fine and go on. You know what we could, if we just change our vernacular, we just say, you know what, I'm doing better than God lets me. Or, or I'm doing better than I should deserve. Or Jesus is good. Thank you for asking. Better than I deserve, but I'm thankful that Christ loves me. Yeah, that, most of the time we give those casual 
Hey, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Walk. It's you, sometimes it's with people we don't even know. It's just, and we can have opportunities even in those small things. But I just want to think more like that. Where every day, you know what? We're just so conditioned by our culture, or society. It's like let's let's think of Jesus all the time, so that He comes out in every aspect of our life. So that, that person that you met for 10 seconds will walk away and say, you know, I think they might be a Christian. And they only seen you for 10 seconds. Can you have those kind of interactions with people? You can. I've met people before, didn't know them for even 10 seconds and thought, I think they're a Christian. I want to be like that. I want to be like that. Being a witness, listen. Being a witness does not have to be terrifying when the Lord God has His rightful place in our hearts. It doesn't have to be. I don't think it's meant to be terrifying to you. When Christ has the proper place, and and as we daily just exercise our faith in talking to others about Jesus, I believe it does get easier, it does become more natural. It does just flow out. When you, when you fill your cup up with the Lord, it comes out more and more often. May God help us to sanctify Him in our hearts so that we may always be ready to give a reason of the hope that lies within us. Let me pray. Father in heaven, I, I pray, Lord, that You would use this message, Lord, tonight to bring You honor and glory and praise. Father, I want to be ready to tell others about You. Lord, I want us to live in such a way as your church here, members here, Lord, that we would echo the gospel everywhere we go. Lord, in every encounter we have, to be seeking opportunities to be a testimony of Christ, whether it's a kind deed in the name of Jesus or a kind word in the name of Christ or just how we speak the name of Christ often. Lord, help us, Lord, that our our way of walk, our way of talk would, would cause others to instantly think that we are followers of Jesus. That it might be used of you to make them think about their relationship with Jesus. Father, use us, I pray, and save many souls. Save the people that attend New Testament Baptist Church, work in their heart, those that are lost. We pray for our children. They need Jesus. We pray for for so many of our family and friends. God, work in our hearts and save them. Use us, Lord, by all means to save some in the manner in which Paul speaks of. Help us to follow after Christ and to seek and to want to save the lost by pointing them to the Savior. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. And amen.